Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports, your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. For all your news on hockey, baseball, basketball, football, soccer, and more, you've come to the right place. And now, it's time for your hosts, Nick McVicker, Kyle Vardy, and Irfan Manji. That's right, folks. We are back once again, live on Twitch or wherever you're listening to your favorite podcast throughout the week. Nick McVicker here with my two great co-hosts, Kyle Vardy and Irfan Manji. Kyle, how are you doing today, my man? Uh, doing much better than I was, that's for sure. Health is improving, so uh, I can't complain. Yeah, you gave us a bit of a scare there, man. It was. Uh, we're glad to have you back and healthy. So, uh, Irfan, how are you doing, dude? I'm muted. Sorry. I'm good. <laughs> I'm chilling. Um it's the Euros, which we'll talk about, but it's been good. Yeah. And speaking of the Euros, we had to bring on a special guest to help us preview this tournament. And of course, it's your co-host from Touchline Thoughts, Paige Culver. Paige, how are you doing? Welcome home. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm super happy to be home. But yeah, I'm doing great. Like Irfan said, it's the Euros. So how can you not be doing great, right? Exactly. How can you not be doing great at this point? <laughs> we get to see some great soccer over the next few weeks it's going to be awesome and I, I just can't wait and why don't we just jump right into it right now with our kickoff segment sponsored by canada kicking academy if you are looking for year-round professional development with elite competition you need to train with the canada kicking academy the ferraro brothers daniel and gabe are both university of guelph alumni and after illustrious university careers they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years if you want to take your special teams game to the next level you need to train with the canada kicking academy visit them at canada kicking academy.com or follow them on instagram at canada kicking academy wow that was rough we're just gonna let that one go kyle okay kicking academy apparently when i show up he just forgets how to speak English. let's get right into the euro 2020s and i want to know what you guys think is the biggest storyline to follow so far and we'll start with you Paige. um Obviously, there's a lot of teams, a lot of great teams, a lot of great players. But what's the biggest storyline that you think people need to follow for this? Storyline, I think in general, we need to watch injuries because I think that's going to make or break the tournament. You know, you have you have players like Van Dyke who aren't even in the tournament with injured. DeLitt is potentially injured. So I think in general, if you can, for me, you know, that's going to be the big determinant uh you know even with spain having covid things like that so i think the health of the teams is going to be the biggest thing to watch fair enough Irfan, what about you man what, what do you see as the uh the big storyline to follow right now um i think Paige hit it right on the head there it is injuries because you you've seen these players play a full year you've seen a lot of players unhealthy right um for example kevin debrena is not playing in his first game today uh, there's no Axel Witzel, right? So, like, the thing is that they've brought these players in, but we don't know what the status of these guys are. You can look at England as well with uh, Jordan Henderson and Harry Maguire. Are they ready to go? They took up a roster spot. Was it worth taking up a roster spot? Maybe, maybe not. But um, I think you're, you're you're worried about the health, and I think Paige had hit it right on the head there. 
Yeah, it's the injury woes are the biggest thing, but there's going to be a lot of great soccer because a lot of teams are going to use that to their advantage and maybe surprise some of us. Yeah, uh, Kyle, any any big storylines outside of injuries? I mean, I'll throw something out, something different, I guess. Um, to me, I, I think the biggest story is can England bring it home? I think that's the biggest storyline for me. Um, is it coming home? That's, Who said it? Oh, was it George that said the same thing? Yeah, to George us said it. Oh. It's coming home, and we were like, "Stop!" I even have my little I, I my mean, England shirt on nah. today, but <laughs> I almost wore my jersey too. Glad I didn't. <laughs> I mean, the biggest thing is they have a ton of competition to try and go through, but I would say arguably this is their best team in a long time that they're actually bringing to the table. There's still other players that they are missing for sure. But I would still say this is probably one of their better teams that, that they actually brought to the Euros. So um, it'll be tough. But to me, that's something to look out for and uh, see if they don't choke, I guess, is the biggest thing. Yeah, I know it's, it's true. And England England has the probably one of the best squads that we've ever seen. And we'll get into that later, I'm sure, when we break down the groups. But my big thing to watch for this uh, is what team is going to be the New York Islanders? of of the Stanley Cup playoffs, the team that just plays a perfect system, right? Not necessarily huge names. Like if you look at the Islanders roster, I would not say they have any superstars on that roster. So what team is going to be the system team that surprises? Or if you want to go back in Euro history, what about Greece? Who's going to be the Greece of this Euro tournament and go all the way and win the whole thing, right? Like that, that is what's interesting to me. And I don't, I don't know if I have an answer to that question. Kyle, you're laughing at me, but no, I'm laughing because Irfan's Yeah, Irfan's got an answer to that question. Irfan has an answer. Okay, Irfan, who would you like to say? It's the Italians. No, I'm that doesn't bro. count. The Italians I are too good of a team to be the underdog. No, but, but, but no, no, listen, though. Listen, okay. Compare their team to the last three right, tournaments, and there's nobody that stands out that's going to say, oh, shit, I'm actually scared of the Italian team. But they play a system. They play Mobile. collective group soccer. Um, they might be the Islanders, except a little bit better in terms of firepower, in terms of the ability to win because they're, they're a historic club for the last couple of years and, they're, and they come into the tournament as one of the most undefeated teams in the last 10 to 20 games, right? But if you're talking about a system similar to the Islanders that they play and they understand their roles and they're able to win a game, I think it's the Italians this year. And, and, and it was full preview yesterday in that game against the, the Turks. Fair enough. All right. Well, I, I don't really consider the Italians to be on the same level of the Islanders playing a true system, but I get what you're saying. You're, but the, but the Italians have a brand of soccer that they follow. Yes. Are you looking yeah, for what, North Macedonia? Is that the answer you want? <laughs> yeah. Like, what? But I'm thinking maybe like a Welsh team gets hot, right? Because they Absolutely play. Absolutely not. They play. They play a specific <laughs> system of counterattacking. You can Are you watching the game? I'm, did Paige just say absolutely have- not? I'm thinking the Swiss. Then I'm, I'm going Switzerland. Then sure, you that. could. You could say Switzerland. You could not say Wales. Are you? No, watching? I'm just, I'm just saying like a now. team on that level, Paige. I wasn't. I was using Wales as an example right, because right. they were on my screen. That's the only reason well, I said them. I- <laughs> Fair, fair. But if you're watching the game, but I mean, we talked about it a little bit on, on the podcast earlier this week as well. And and the boys had mentioned maybe Ukraine, you know, Ukraine kind yeah, of being like that, that team. Yeah. I tossed in Poland as a <laughs> sleeper, as a sleeper. It could happen. Yes. If, yes, if Lewandowski starts scoring from half because they got to get him the ball first. Yeah, they'll be fine. It's okay. They, they'll do it. They'll be okay. I believe in the Polish team. <laughs> All right, well, so, let's, so let's if, talk if about individual it, players while we have a chance. If I said something like Croatia, what about that? 
I think they're or, I mean, a little considering too they old. went to the World Cup final two years ago or three years ago, I wouldn't really count that either. Okay. So why don't you tell us what you would count then? <laughs> a team that isn't Wales. a perennial powerhouse. <laughs> but that, that's not the Islanders. That'd be more like Montreal. Okay, like, then Montreal. Mon- Montreal then. would be more like okay, because like the Islanders literally came in. That's fair. No, you know what? You're right. That that is a bad example, and I apologize, Kyle. You you, you got me on that. So, so if, if it's Montreal, where it's they came in dead last in their division, and they're now sweeping teams. Yes. Okay. You know, then then I would agree. Yeah, you could look at somebody like Poland, who who could surprise out of nowhere type of thing, or Sweden. Who knows? Like that kind of stuff, right? Like, I'm just interested because there's always one team that does that. I mean, we we look back. You said I said Greece when they did it. Like, there's always a team that goes really, really far that no one expects to go far just because they play the system that works that year. So I'm interested to see who that will be. I don't know who it will be, and we'll find out. Anyways, um, let's talk about individual players while we have the chance now. And Kyle, I'm going to start with you. Is there a player who you think might surprise in this tournament and do really, really well? Um, or maybe not, not necessarily surprise, but someone who will do really well really well i look at i look at france and i look at mbappe and i look at conte i think i think there's a chance that conte dominates this tournament and truly shows who he is and then there's a chance that mbappe ends up winning like i'll get into this later but there's a chance that mbappe ends up winning golden boot if, if everything goes well for france basically right so to me i look at those two players and making sure that they show up for france because i think france is the best team right now that's my personal opinion um, I, I mean, a lot of people share that opinion as well, but um, I, I think those two are key to France truly winning this tournament. If that's the case, fair enough. Uh, Paige, what about you? Who do you think is going to be a surprise or uh, just a really good player this year? I think um, I kind of agree with what what Kyle was saying, but I would throw Pogba in there as well. You know, again, we talked about this on on our podcast earlier as well. You see, Pogba and Conte really enjoy playing with each other and. And, you know, they don't get to, they're, they're playing against each other all season. So um, I think Pogba and that Conte duo is going to be a really interesting pair to watch. And, and just Pogba himself, you know, he's had some struggles this season at United and, you know, we had, there was that whole problem with his agent and things like that. So I think this is a really big moment for him just to, you know, enjoy playing and, and representing his country. Yeah. Irfan, uh, do you have a player? Um, well, are you asking me best player of the tournament that I think is going to be, or just some player that to watch because they're just going to have a hell of a tournament? Go both. I'll give you okay. both options. Sure. Players to watch. I'll give you three young players because I think this is their tournament to actually shine. Phil Foden, um, Billy Gilmore, and Pedri for Spain. So you're looking at three very good players. Gilmore had a good year for Chelsea. He's going to get more playing time. Um, this season, I think he's a good hard nosed player. He understands the game really well, and he's going to, he's going to be important for, for Scotland, especially if Tom, uh, Scott McTominay ends up dropping into the, the defensive pairing, which, he and I think Pedri's, and I think Pedri's going to have it. He has the vision very similar to Iniesta, very similar to Xavi. He understands the game really well. He also plays with Messi at Barcelona. So he's, he's trying to get into that mold. I think Spain, like I said, on the podcast, um, Spain, was looking for a Messi, and I think Pedri might be the next big thing coming out of Spain. Uh, Phil Foden, what else are you going to say about him? He had a great year. So I think those three young players probably going to be leaders on that. His tournament. his hair, though, going into this tournament. He looks like Eminem, cannot... but that's okay. Is uh... he going to start rapping when he scores? Who knows? <laughs> I'm going to go with no. <laughs> um, no those are, those are three good shouts, though, Irfan. I, I like those guys. Yeah. Um, 
Did you have a player that you think is going to like dominate the tournament outside of those? I think Pogba is going to have a hell of a tournament. And the reason, and I think Paige also said the same thing, he looks happy when he plays for France. He looks healthy when he plays for France. And you know what? He doesn't have a lot. He does. He doesn't have a lot of defensive responsibility because he doesn't have to worry about Fred missing the ball. He knows Conte's behind him. So I think his ability to go forward, this this French team, like Kyle said, is going to be so deadly. There's so many great players, and the fact that they left off a lot of really good talent just scares me about how good this French team will be. But there's a couple of teams I think that could challenge them, but I think the French team are probably the best in the tournament. Oh, yeah. I think if you go player for player, the French team is the best in the tournament. Does that mean they win? We'll find out. My player to watch for this tournament and a player who I think might surprise, keep an eye on Memphis Depay for the Dutch team. This is a guy who at one point was supposed to be the next like superstar winger when he went to United, and it didn't work out. And now he's gone to a couple teams since, and he's starting to find his form. The Dutch don't have a very tough group, let's be honest. Like You're looking at their group, and they have Ukraine, North Macedonia, and Austria. He could feast on these teams with his speed, with his finishing ability. He could do really, really well. Get them to the next round, and then we'll see where he goes. I think Depay is one player to watch. I don't know if he'll dominate, but he could put in a very good showing at this Euro tournament, in my opinion, at least. Even under Frank De Boer? He's looked good in the last little bit for the Netherlands. It's just hey, hard stop to laughing. See, right? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I can feel your hate from here. <laughs> Listen, it doesn't matter what happens. what happens off the field. I don't care. Once they step between those players. white lines, then it matters. And Depay has been playing really well between the white lines. So we'll go with that. Let's get into the groups now. In uh, Group A, is this this is Italy's group to lose, right, Paige? Yeah, I would say I would say for sure. I it, you know it looks like based on you know the game yesterday, it, you know they're looking really good and and you guys have kind of all said it, you know, they're potentially kind of that, um, Greece maybe it's not that you would necessarily agree, but, um, yeah, I think it's definitely theirs to lose. And if they keep going on a run, like they had in the last match, they're going to be very difficult to beat. For sure. Uh, Irfan, it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be Italy's group, right? Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. I don't think any of the other teams have what it takes to win, especially when Italy can coast their game and make Turkey who, should be better. I mean, that, that's, I guess that's the difference between a 10 and 0 team and a seven win team in qualifying is the fact that if you can't break down the best, you probably can't stay with the best. And uh, the Italians brought it to, to Turkey and then Turkey just looked out of sorts. So if they can continue to do that, yeah, they're going to keep winning this group. Kyle. Yeah. Honestly, I, I think, I think the better question is who comes in second. And I think right now, um, to me, I think I think it's Switzerland's to lose. To be quite honest, especially the way Turkey played, like unless Turkey bounces back big, it's Switzerland's second spot. Really, I, I think that Italian Swiss game is actually going to be very good. I, I think the Italian team is, I think it's underrated going into this tournament because nobody, like people, are talking about them, but not really. Everybody's talking about France, England, you know. Even Belgium, they're talking about more than, than Italy. And I think this Italian squad is actually a lot better than people think. So um, I think that Swiss-Italy game is the one I'm going to be looking forward to, to actually watching and, and see how that goes. And I think that game will truly decide who the powerhouse is in, in this group. I think it's Italy, but we'll see. Yeah, Switzerland. 
if you're watching the game right now, the Swiss are playing really well. Mm-hmm. They're just dominating. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're well, they're the better team in my opinion going into the tournament. So it's not really a surprise, I guess, that they're they're dominating. It's just I thought I think the Welsh will kept catch a couple teams for goals on counterattacks. But is mm-hmm. that enough to win games? Like maybe against Turkey, they might be able to catch on counterattack a little bit more, but not against the Swiss, who are just a defensive juggernaut every single tournament that they play in. They can't score usually for their lives. Let's not deny <laughs> that fact. But they're gonna they're gonna bore you to death defensively and just say, "Hey, good luck trying that's to score on us." <laughs> that actually sounds more like the Isles. I was gonna say this is the Isles. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know. I think I think if we're looking at it, like they are, the top two teams are Italy and Switzerland, in my opinion. But keep an eye on Wales if they start getting counterattacking football in their in their game plan and start putting the ball in the net. They almost scored early. Like that would have changed this game against Switzerland had they scored that goal against uh, Moore's header early in the game. But since then, they just haven't had anything. And Paige, you said it. Like they, they just don't have a lot of the ball, so they're not really dangerous at any point. It's, right. It's and how do you expect to, how do you expect to necessarily score goals if you can't, if you're chasing all game? Right. So yeah. I, and Switzerland actually look really good. Like you could say, you know, maybe they're, they're fighting for second place, but y- you never know in these tournaments, like shit happens. So um, yeah, like Kyle was saying, I think that's going to be an exciting game that, that Italy Switzerland game yeah. on Wednesday, June 16th. I think the bigger story, like I know Kyle, you said second place is the bigger story. I think third place might actually be the bigger story because let's not forget four of the third place teams get into the knockout round, right? So this could be a fight for a potential knockout round berth between the third and fourth place teams. So that that could be very interesting down the stretch. Um, Group B headlined by Belgium and no offense, but the B in this group stands for Belgium. They are they are clearly the head of the pack in this group B with Denmark, Finland, and Russia. But they're coming in hurt. We talked about it already. De Bruyne missing the first game. Yuri Tielemans is missing the first game. Those are two key players usually in this Belgian squad. Now they're playing Russia. Erfan, do you think it's going to affect them in the first game, missing those two big guys, or are they going to still get through Russia? No problem. Um, I think the Russian team is very good this year. Um, for some reason, they've found their attacking football. They're not as strong as they used to be, but they still have a good system. And I think if Belgium doesn't find a way to get an early goal, if Lukaku doesn't get an early goal, for example, I think the Russians can upset in game one of this tournament. And that's that's scary to say, but with a with a Belgian team that's not healthy, I I'd be very uh, worried. Um playing this Russian squad because they've come in hot. They've played good football. Um, they understand their roles. And that's that's the most important part of of these short tournaments is if you can understand your role and understand what you need to get to win, there you go. Um, that's probably the, the best thing I can say out of that. I think the Belgian side collectively is better, but what sort of Eden Hazard are we going to get? And that's the biggest question. Can their captain come out for them? If not, I think the Russians can actually surprise all of us today. Fair enough. Um, Kyle, what do you make of this group outside of that first game? I know, obviously, we're, we're looking at a Belgian squad that's hurt, but can any of these teams dethrone Belgium to st- at the top of this group, or are they going to go through? Um, I, I have Belgium going through. Um, as Erpon said, like the biggest thing, uh, I guess, Erpon and Page, as what they said, 
biggest thing is health. That was actually a very nice goal, by the way. Um, uh, it's health. That's the biggest key, right? So um, I, I honestly, I think I have, it's weird. I have Denmark as number two. I think that Danish squad altogether is a very solid team as a cohesive unit, basically. Um, Russia did play well in the World Cup in 2018, um, but that was also on home soil, too. So that's so I think they also had a little bit of an advantage in that aspect. I'm not knocking the Russian team by any means. I'm just trying to more make my point as to why Denmark is two and Russia is not two. So um, I do think I, I do think no matter who comes in third in this division, they will go through as one of those third place teams. I think whether it's Denmark or Russia, I don't think Finland truly has a chance in this division. Um, I think it's it's me, Belgium one, Denmark two, Russia three. And Finland four, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, Paige, what are your thoughts on this group? No, I, I agree with what everybody's saying. And I, I hope um, this first game without some key players doesn't dictate the rest of the tournament for Belgium. Cause I know you can see, and I've said it before, you know, these tournaments and football in general is all about momentum. Right. And you don't want to have potentially like a first bad starting game because you're missing some of your, your players, your first opening game. But I mean, I agree. I think, I think Belgium's here to win it. Um, and I, I'm a huge Belgian fan. They're always my dark horse, even though Irfan said they're not technically a dark horse, they're my dark horse. So, um, I'm always cheering for them and, and, um, yeah, I don't think Finland really stands a chance. I mean, depends what kind of pookie we get coming out potentially, you know, maybe a couple goals here and there, but I, yeah, I would say it's between Denmark and Russia for the that second place spot. So we'll see what happens. And I mean, Paige, it's very hard to call them the uh, dark horse when they're ranked number one in the world. <laughs> I know we had this argument before too, but yeah, okay, they're ranked number one, but on paper, I don't think they're number one. You look at France, you know, how do you Denmark or um, Belgium compared to France on paper? France is going to take it. So yeah, they're ranked number one, but they're not you know, everyone's number one pick in this tournament. Yeah. Fair, fair enough, but they are number one in the world. So it's hard to call them I know. dark horse. <laughs> I know. I know. I, get it. I think they're those, that one squad that wins games collectively, but no one takes them seriously because yeah. they haven't done well in tournaments. Maybe. Okay. Fine. They won third at the world cup and all, but like they didn't look comfortable in that France game. And a lot of people look at it and go, if you can't so play with them. Is they're the Colorado avalanche of the. Oh, soccer. Hey now. Okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <Too soon. laughs> Open wound. Um, and Kyle, the, the one thing about this group is that Russia actually is playing all their home games in Russia. Mm. All of their, sorry, all of their first round matches are in Russia. So you said mm. that they did really well on home soil. Do you think that plays a factor into helping them get the second place now? They're in Copenhagen for game three. And are they in Copenhagen for game three? They are, sorry, yeah. they are against Denmark, but they play their other two yeah, games like, in St. They, Peter's. They, they get a they get a couple games in St. Petersburg, but to me, it's also it's not the same as hosting the tournament. It's it's different in that aspect, I think. Um, but you know that that could give them the slight edge to get number two. I don't think it's going to get bump them up into number one by any means. No, I wasn't. But there's that. definitely a chance that playing on, playing on some home soil definitely could uh, edge them into the number two spot for sure. Fair enough. Um, I, I like Belgium in this group, as as I said, uh, they're. They are clearly the favorite to me. I have Denmark finishing second and Russia finishing third, but Russia getting through as one of the one of the third place teams that get through. So 
we'll see how that plays out. Um, y'all have y'all have too much faith on Denmark. Mm-hmm. If, they don't yeah, get really. enough, if you don't have enough set pieces, I don't think the Danes can actually score well in open play. So I'd be I worried just don't about know that. if the Russians have enough scoring in that head-to-head matchup to get through the Danish squad. That's the only reason that I think Denmark pips them for number two. I'm not saying that I think Denmark's a better team overall. I just don't know if the Russians have enough scoring head-to-head against the, Dan- the Danish um, defense. That's Fair. the only reason you're fun. Fair. Also, I'm, they, throwing a, I'm throwing a dart at a dartboard. So, I mean, I'm kind of just... Eh, I like this team. <laughs> I like that team because of the flag. <laughs> I like their colors. Let's go there. Um, speaking of a team with an interesting flag, let's go to Group C. And uh, North Macedonia has made the tournament. Congratulations. Is this probably the group with the biggest question mark out of all of the groups? Maybe the group of death, but that's just because there's there's three top teams in that group. This group, I really don't know what to expect from Group C. The Netherlands are obviously the favorite, but they haven't been playing well the last few years and go back to the last couple tournaments. They haven't been doing great, but they're the favorites. And then you have Austria, Ukraine, and North Macedonia in this group. Paige, what's going to happen here? I mean, uh, I mean, Netherlands should should run away with this one. But like you said, you know, they're not necessarily playing great and they have a ton of injuries right now. You know, you're missing Van Dyke, who's such a key player on the team. Um, Van de Beek is out now, I think, with an injury. Dillett is potentially out with an injury. So we talked we said it earlier and I think it comes down to who's the healthiest. And we would like to think that they're going to run away with this group. But I think it may not be as simple as that based on, on the injury lists. I mean, congrats to North mass for getting into the tournament. I I don't see them fighting for maybe a third place position, but again, you never know in these tournaments, you know, things happen and players get injured and you're playing so many games in a short amount of time. But I, I'm interested to see Netherlands play and see how they, how they line up and how they come out. And if, if they can just, you know, take a couple games and, and run with it. For sure. For sure. Uh, on your thoughts on this group? Um, I think the Dutch are going to be a third place team in this group. And I'll only, yeah, I know, I know. Um, okay. but they'll make everybody's like, hmm. I'm sure he make, has a reason. I just don't know what it is. <laughs> they'll make the the next round, no doubt, because I think this might be the second group of debt, quote unquote, because I, we don't know what's going to happen. I think there's enough talent, but I think. You know, talking to Kyle a couple of days ago, I think he got it in my head that I think the Ukraine team is better than they yeah. than, than I think they are. And the only reason is I again when you talk about identity in a short span of time, I think the Ukrainian side understand that they're not gonna blow anyone away, but they're also gonna play good soccer. Um so I think I think and I also believe that Austria might be a little bit better than people are giving them credit for. I think with the flexibility that David Alaba gives you to play in four different positions, I think you can rotate them around enough to cover any gaps that this Austrian team has. So I don't know what I'm going to get out of the Dutch squad. And again, I'm putting a big question mark on a Frank DeBoer team because I've never seen them do well when he's coaching them. And and that's probably the reason I have the Dutch in third and and. I shouldn't be disrespecting them this low because I think they're a very good squad, but there's so many question marks. I don't know who's going to be their best defensive pairing. Is it going to work? Is it going to be clean? I don't know. And especially when you're playing a team like North Mass that understands that they might not win a game and they decide to take you for speed. You know what? You might actually lose this game. So that's kind of... Sometimes that's the hardest team to play is the team with nothing to lose, right? Exactly. So that's why I kind of have them in third. I do have them making the next round. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think that 
they'll be able to outplace Ukraine or Austria who have figured it out and are actually healthy. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Kyle, you want to round out the Group C conversation? See, I I want North Macedonia to do something, and I think that I think we all do it. Yeah, like <laughs> so, like they, they have a win over Germany recently. So, yeah, like they've been playing not, well, but like, I just don't I don't yeah. have the faith that they're going to make it through, right? Well, and honestly, they obviously the Euros is something different than a play-in game trying to get in there. I get that, but to me, I I could see them sneaking into third. You know, I I could, I, I do have Ukraine. I have I have Netherlands first. I have Ukraine second. I think there's a chance North Macedonia upsets and becomes that third spot. You know, do they sneak into the next round? Uh, I don't know about that. I want to see them. You know. To me, to me, they're like the Cinderella story. They are yeah. the Wichita. They're they're Wichita State out of you know the NCAA tournament, right? Like yes. they're they're that type of team, yeah. where where it's one of those nobody has them going anywhere, and all of a sudden if they show up and they play as a team and and they that's what they're known for is you know they're not big names but they play as a team and it's one of those. Um, to me, that's the interesting part, you know, as 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 a better. North Macedonia to finish third is pretty good money. So fair enough. Well, it's also funny. Like you look at the you look at the FIFA rankings. Austria and the Ukraine are ranked twenty third and twenty fourth respectively. So you know that match is going to be good. Netherlands is ranked sixteenth. Like those three teams are going to compete. I just have Netherlands winning because I believe in the attack of the team, not necessarily the injured defense at the moment. So we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. Um, moving on group D action and I mean, <laughs> we're going to pot, we're going to see a rematch of the world cup semi here between Croatia and England in game one. And then after that, those two teams are walking the rest of this group. I, I don't see the Czech Republic and Scotland competing with those two. So a Kyle, who's going to win this group and B who's going to finish third. Oh, sorry. I'm just watching the goal, potentially not goal. Um, it's offside. That's just me. Um, I think, I honestly think this is England's, I think this is England's to lose, to be honest. And and it, and it's weird to say that because, because I don't trust them. I don't trust them. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's one of those, I don't know. Um, I do think Croatia is definitely number two. I, I think they are... Um, as you said, they've had much, much success recently, um, you know, in previous years and stuff like that. And honestly, if, if, if I'm, I think Scotland ends up number three. And I think Scotland with their young players, you know, you, you, you talk Billy Gilmore and that kind of stuff, right? Obviously I'm, I'm more leaning towards Chelsea players than anything, but. Um, Go figure. Yeah, exactly. Um, but to me, Scotland and their youth, I think the biggest thing Scotland wasn't doing before up until this tournament was using their youth. They have lots of young up and coming players. They just weren't giving them a chance in, in, in competitions. And now they're finally doing that. And it's, Hey, they're actually pretty good. Hey, it works. We can actually do this. It's like, okay, now I, I'm Scotland's a team to watch to me. Cause I, I think, I think they're, they're definitely a team that can, you know, they're, they're that annoying team that that's going to be there all the time. And I think they're going to stay in games. I don't think they're going to get blown out by any means. So um, I definitely have England one, Croatia two, Scotland three. And let's not talk about Czech Republic. Paige, this is your, this is your group here. So what do you see happening? 
Yeah, I mean, I think I'm I'm super critical of this England squad. Um, I'm not Harry Maguire's biggest fan. I think Stones is a sack of shit. So, um, wow. <laughs> sorry. Oops, can I say that on here? Sorry. Beep. Beep. <laughs> well, um, Kyle said worse, so it's. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think our defense is is really questionable, and I think our goalkeeping is really questionable. I do would like to say that they're going to, you know, take this group. I agree with Kyle. And I think Scotland is, is here to work and and here to show up and potentially, you know, a third place team. I think they could pinch second. I think um, Croatia's getting up there in age, you know, Madrid's getting up there. I think they're a little bit slower. They're not that same, you know, world cup champion team that we've seen. So um, I would like to see England take it. I'm a little bit biased, but um, I could see Scotland. I would like to see Scotland maybe pinch second and the Croats go third. But um, yeah, I agree with with everything Kyle said as well. Can we just say how much fun will that second England game be against Scotland in Wembley? Like that will be that would be yeah. insane atmosphere. Something that we don't get to see over on this side of the pond. Let's be honest. Right. Erfan, um, are you in agreement? Is England taking this group? I mean, they should be taking this group, but this sort of reminds me of the 2010 World Cup when England was paired with uh, Algeria, the US, and I have to look this up, Slovenia, right? So it's a very similar sort of esque group. Like Algeria sort of reminds me of what Scotland is this year. Like they have very good players, like guys like Riyad Mahrez at the time, and you're like, cool, cool, cool. Um, and then Slovenia sort of has that Czech Republic feel, and the US has that Croatia feel. And England was supposed to go ahead and win that group easily, and they struggled in their games. They didn't look good in those games. And and mind you, this was the team that had Steven Gerrard, uh, Frank Lampard, Wayne Rooney, um, guys like that. So you expected them to do better. But this England squad comparatively, I think, is a little bit better. They're younger and they're a little faster. But I have that feeling where if England doesn't show up, they might not win this group, which is actually really good if they don't win this group because... Then if they do win this group, they won't have to face a team like Portugal or Germany who finished second in Group F. And I know I'm looking forward to this, but if England has any chances of bringing it home, you don't want to win this group, um, which is a weird thing to say because every that group, everyone, sound right? <laughs> no, I know, but like I, I mean, yes, they're going to win this group because they collectively they're a better squad. But if they finish second, don't be disappointed because I think for them it's better not to face Portugal or Germany in the first round of the round of 16. That's all I'm saying. But I think England's going to win this group. You can have anyone win, uh, get second. I think like uh, Paige said, Scotland can pip it. I think they're good enough. Having Robertson and Karen Tierney on your left side is actually very, very interesting. Um, going forward and playing defense, I think those two are very good. Um, you look over at the Czech Republic with Thomas Sushek in the middle. This Czech Republic side is not getting enough love that they should. I think they have a very good brand of attacking football. Um, they're a little bit more adventurous, and that's not something you say about the Czech Republic because usually they have a striker that's going to do everything, and then that's it. Um, and then the Croatians, they're old. Are they going to be able to play? Are you going to run through the attack through Luka Modric, for example? Is that going to work? I don't know. I think if you can put a Jude Billingham on Luka Modric for the entire game, I don't think the Croatians will do anything to England. But that, that remains to be seen whether the Croatians can actually beat the Czech Republic or the, the Scottish sides. Fair enough. I actually like this England squad. I, I, I know you're a little critical of them, Paige, but <laughs> this is probably the best English squad we've seen in a long time, in my opinion. I think all the way through the line, 
you have very, very strong players. I'm surprised that you said you're not confident in the keepers. I know they've made mistakes, but that was also when they were super young. We're now looking at a very experienced Jordan Pickford and a Dean Henderson who played in the Premier League up until this year um, consistently, and then he was behind De Gea this year at uh, United, obviously, and got some great run in, and I think he's going to be the number one keeper at United next year. I think he should be. So these are two guys that are really good. And Stamp Johnstone had a great year in the Premier League this season. I know he didn't; his team didn't do necessarily great, but he looked really good. So you got three keepers who I think could run with it. And then Chilwell on the one side or Shaw, followed by who Trippier or Walker on the right. That's a strong wingback pairing. And yeah, are we confident in uh, Stones and Maguire as a center back? Together, no. I'd much rather Stones with someone who, you know, can mark. But I'm not going to say it's the worst center back pairing England has had in a long time. So I think the defense is better than a lot of people are giving credit for. The midfield is where I have a lot of questions outside of Jordan Henderson. They're really, really young. Can that play a factor into making mistakes? And the offense is just stupid good if they want to be. If 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 they're if they're on sure. Kane, Rashford, Sancho, Sterling, Grealish, Foden are all dominant players when they want to play. Right. My biggest thing is can can we put it together? You know, you look yeah. at a team like France. I don't mean to jump ahead, but France they have you know just as many if not more high quality players, and they look cohesive. Absolutely. I don't know if that's necessarily the same for England. Yes, we have. I think the best team we've put together ever, but can they actually put it together? That would, that is my biggest question there. Fair enough. I, well, I have England winning the group. I have Scotland finishing third and Croatia finishing second, just because of experience. Um, Scotland does make the knockout round in my head. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, moving on group. I'm going to call it the group of S, but it's actually group E. Uh <laughs> It's a group of S because you have Spain, Sweden, Slovakia, and then <laughs> Poland. <laughs> they just happen to be in the wrong pot, unfortunately. It's a PS3. Ooh, good one. Wow. All right. I get one I get one every show. Carl's We're gonna let that go. <laughs> um, Irfan, we'll start with you. Uh what what happens in this group? Because it looks like it'd be it could be very entertaining. This is four teams that probably could compete with each other. Oh, I think so. I think this is one of those groups where three teams are coming out of it. I think there's enough quality out of this group that we can see um, in any order with Poland, Spain, and Sweden. I think the biggest question mark is the COVID bug for Spain and Sweden. How does that impact their flow? How does it impact their starting lineup? I don't like, I mean, you look at the Spain defender, uh, Marcus Lorente. I don't think he was going to start to begin with. So I think they're okay at that point. Um, and I think with Sergio Busquets, uh, I think someone mentioned this earlier, but Rodri's having a hell of a season. Uh, I think he's going to be the next pivot for Spain. So I don't think they'll be as worried, but at, for Sweden, where you don't know what you're going to get moving forward, who's going to be your starting defensive pair because their defense is a little slow in my opinion. But I mean, this, this, this group is wide open. I mean, Lewandowski's going to feast on, on Sweden. I really think that's... Lewandowski's going to pro- feast on anybody. Let's be honest. Let's get that out of the way. <laughs> I think... I know. I think against Spain, he's going to have a hard time scoring because they're they're a little bit better. But I, I think that slower defensive pairing that I'm talking about for Sweden, um, he's going to feast on them. And then the Slovaks... Um, I think he's gonna have a he's gonna have a hell of a tournament. Um, he only has two Euro goals, which really surprises me. 
um, in his career, but I think this could be the year where he gets four or five goals this tournament. Um, Cause I think Poland's going to have a good season in this tournament. Yeah. Uh, Paige, what do you see happening in this uh, crazy group? Yeah, I agree. I think it's pretty wide open. I'd like to see Poland maybe pull out second or third. I, I could see Spain winning it. You know, we've talked about COVID being an issue, but I think Spain has enough depth where they make up for maybe some of those um, players who are out with COVID. Um, I agree with Irfan. Sweden's a little bit questionable. I agree. I think they're a little slow in defense. They're, you know, Ibra's not there. I don't know how much that really affects them, but um I'd like to see Poland, you know, pinch second. I'd like to see Spain win it, but um, I agree. I think three teams will be coming from this group for sure. Kyle, round it off, my friend. Uh, I have Spain. I think I think the combination of uh, Ferran Torres as well as uh, Pedri. I think to me, the young the young uh, Spanish players are going to carry. I think, in my opinion, um, I, I like them to win it. I do like um, – I literally just blanked. What was the name? Um, Poland. Sorry. I like Poland as number two. I do think Lewandowski um, is going to feast, as, as you said. And then to me, I have Sweden three and Slovakia four. Um, I think Sweden's good enough to get three. I don't know if it makes them through to the group or the uh, knockout stage, but I have them as number three. So Fair enough. I have Poland winning this one. I just think – the attack force that they have with Lewandowski as a centerpiece is just too good right now for a young Spanish squad to defend. And that's why they're probably going to win that game, in my opinion, just because I don't think that the experience of the Spanish squad is going to be able to stop them. Spain is second, and I have Slovakia third. I just think the injuries and everything that you guys are saying about Sweden just puts them too far behind the eight ball. Losing your top goal scorer for a tournament plays a factor. I'm sorry, as good as some of the players have been on that squad, when you lose Ibra, who's been like the centerpiece of all Sweden attack for the last 20 years, it, it's it's so much harder to play the game. Um, all right, we are finally up to it. Group of death. Are we seeing a giant bow out early, Kyle? Um... <laughs> Okay, I'll tell you. I have I have France, Germany as one two. Is I'll say okay. that. I have Portugal as number three. Um, I think the German midfield is going to carry him through. I think that's why, in my opinion, Germany is actually going to go through. Um, also, the fact that they can they have all other substitutes basically. Like they have Averts basically coming off the bench, who potentially could start for the majority of countries. Um, potentially, no, he could start for the majority yeah, of countries. Sorry. Could. Um, to me, I think the biggest thing is how Portugal does. And Portugal will be carried by two players, and that's obviously Ronaldo and Bruno Fernandes. The real question is who takes the penalties? Oh, oh, I believe you have a uh, argument. So, and, and I have no problem with, with, with the argument. I go, go right ahead. But to me, I have Germany as, as edging out number two. Paige, you were the one shaking your head. Uh, you want to you wanna jump in here quickly? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like itching to get into this conversation. No, I think France takes it. I think they're, they're too strong at this point. I don't think Germany is as strong as people would like to believe. I do, on our, on our podcast earlier this week, we had Kyle, he's a big Portugal fan. And after listening to him talk through Portugal, their lineups, he's like diehard, knows them inside and out, knows what they ate for breakfast. So um, 
And I think Irfan could probably attest to this, but, you know, he's saying they've got so many young players coming through and they don't necessarily need Ronaldo to be a dominating team. And he, they almost played better without him on the field, I think is what he had said. And I agree after, you know, looking at it, cause I would have said Germany as well, but I would like to see Portugal come, come through in second. I think, like we said, France is just too strong. Um, Germany potentially third. I think all three make it through, uh, no problem, but, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. And that's an interesting point. Like, I think the Portuguese side, when they come together and play at these international tournaments, play better than the German side, just cohesively. I wouldn't say that they're a better squad player for player. Like if you actually go through each player, I would say, in my opinion, the German squad actually has better individual players. They just don't come together as nicely as the Portuguese squad. That's why I have Portugal in second as well. Um, But that's a good point that, that Kyle made. And well, sorry. The other Kyle made. The other Kyle. <laughs> yeah. That you are now bringing into the show. Uh, Irfan, what are your thoughts on this group, my friend? I, I think anyone who finishes second, oh, one, two, three, I don't think it really matters because I think all three teams have the capabilities of actually winning this tournament. I think they're that good and that deep. Um, I don't know we're saying, you know, Portugal or Germany, who's better. But if you look at pound for pound, there there's so much talent on both sides. Like, I think Portugal has an identity i think the germans are trying to still find that identity and that's probably what differentiates them um i mean that midfield of germany like kyle said there our kyle said that um you know joshua kimmich tony Kroos, and you know leon goretzka starting or ilkay gundawan starting like that's a solid midfield that is a fluid midfield that can move the ball but then you turn it over to the portuguese side where yeah they have an aging defensive core but like pepe had a hell of a year jose font had a hell of a year um, they have so much creativity in every part of the game that, um, you know, you don't need Ronaldo to start to win a game. And that's the scary part about Portugal is you don't need one of the best players of all time. And I'm putting that out there at, of all time to play for your team to win. And that's that's crazy. Um, I think the French win this win this uh, division, but I don't think or this group, sorry, but I don't think it's it's going to be that bad um for any team to finish second or third because they're going to make it like it's going to be everyone's going to hit up on hungry everyone's going <laughs> to beat them uh, unfortunately which is sad to say but um then they're just gonna have to make sure that they don't get injured when they play each other um and i think i think the french side they're gonna they're gonna win this group with like five to six points and then you have you know the germans and portugal with five four whatever that that sort of mark is but um, I think the Portuguese are going to play for draws because that's something that's worked for them in group stages and it's going to be, it's going to work for them again. I think this group is just very, very good and I'm hoping to watch every game for sure. Fair enough. All right. Well, we're now up to the predictions point and Kyle, start with you. Champion, golden boot. Keep it short. Keep it sweet. Let me know who's winning. Champion, France, golden boot. I would love to say Mbappe, but honestly, I think it's going to be uh, Lukaku. Sorry, who? Lukaku. Okay, sorry. I just I couldn't hear. I was trouble hearing there for a second. Oh. Um, <laughs> he didn't want to hear it. <laughs> I actually love Lukaku. I think he's a great player and doesn't get enough credit. So thank you for giving him credit there, Kyle. I appreciate it. Um, Paige, where are you going? Champion, golden boot. Um, France, I think takes it. I don't think anyone can compete with them. And I think I would go Mbappe as well. I'd like to see Kane though, maybe fight for golden boot. My prediction. 
Uh, Portugal, France final. France takes it. Um, and I think uh, Romelu Lukaku gets golden boot because he's just going to find a way to score. And okay, I have France beating England in the final and Kane actually winning the golden boot, just being the, the centerpiece of that English attack. Oh, you have faith in the English squad. Yeah, Thank you. I do. I do have faith in the English I'm, squad. I just can't. I can't believe it until I see it. And, even, and that's even fine. When, I can't either, but I have faith. <laughs> I have faith. I just have faith to get to the next round, and and then my faith goes. All right. Well, now you made it somewhere. That's all I can ask. Fair enough. All right. Well, that'll do it for our kickoff segment. It was a long one. We apologize, but this was sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. Visit them at CanadaKickingAcademy.com or follow them on Instagram for more information. They are great guys over there. Don't forget that anytime. We will be back right after this with a uh, some MLB foreign substance talk. Paige, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Anytime you can jump on. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me. And we will be right back after this. Hey, guys. It's producer Jake here from Benning House, the Garage Door Sports Network's ultimate degenerate gambling podcast. Catch our episodes weekly on Apple, Spotify, and Google as we bring you banter, laughter, and, of course, picks for all sorts of games throughout the week. Give us a follow on our socials at BettingHousePod, where you can catch all our bets each week, as well as some bonus content. Remember to always gamble responsibly. Let's get rich. Hey everyone, this is Irfan Manju from Touchline Thoughts. We are an all-soccer podcast hosted by yours truly with guests every episode. We provide news, analysis, and opinions every episode as well. Touchline Thoughts is powered by the Garage Door Sports Network, and you can listen to us on your favorite podcatcher. Cheers. We are back, boys, and uh, we got to go through this quick because we're, we're that was a long intro segment there, but we got lots to talk about, so let's jump right into it. Um, MLB cracking down on their. Uh, they're players to watch, and we're going to have to talk about the unfortunate incident that is foreign substances on the uh, the ball and pitchers getting advantage of it. Kyle, um, this week they've kind of gone a little crazy with it, but what happens? Um, Donaldson calls out the league because he says he has a catalog of guys cheating. What did you make of Donaldson's comments? Let's start with that. I mean, this has been going on for years. And, and the fact that it's it's being brought up now is purely the fact that the MLB is on track to have the worst MLB average and highest strikeout rate in MLB history, basically. So, um, to me, that's really the only reason. And I think I think hitters are just frustrated because pitchers have been doing this for years, and now they're doing it even more because they're getting away with it. I think that's the biggest key. Um, I, I also love the fact that Donaldson calls out Gary Cole and then proceeds to go 0-4 against him in the next game. Well, he went 0-3 against Cole directly, 0-4 total. Yes. Um, so, to me, it, I, I just found that amazing. But To be fair, uh, to be fair, he didn't call out Cole in the original comments. It was the second comment after Cole's game that he... So, Donaldson called out the league on Twitter with uh, Dallas Braden. Yeah. Cole then goes out after, you know, the foreign substance thing and has his run. probably one of his worst games and lowest spin rate of his career. Yeah. 
And then Donaldson's like, well, guys, did you see what just happened to Cole? It wasn't that he was calling Cole out and trying to make him the reason that the league needs to pay attention. He was just using Cole as an example because it happened the next day. Like, he wasn't targeting Cole. Let's make that very clear. No, he 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 did say later on, though, on the because that was the second outing is when Donaldson actually went up against Cole. Yeah. And he semi-called him out for the very controversial lack of answer that Cole gave in the interview and how he doesn't know how to answer the question, which to me was probably the worst possible thing he could have said. That was a joke of a response. Which is just one of those, like, it's like, really? Like, like who's your PR guy? You should fire him immediately. Like, you know that question's coming to you. How do you not have some sort of answer prepared or something that you're going to say to these guys? Like, I just, I don't get it. But, like, to be honest, as the whole thing, I do agree they kind of need to crack down on it. Obviously, they're, they're using the, what is it called, the spider track or something along spider those tack. lines. Spider tack. Spider tack, something like that. Um, so, I mean, I think for the MLB, especially with already taking away the juice balls this year, this is just giving pitchers another edge. And, they're, and if they're not doing anything with it, which they really – haven't done anything you know like yes there's been a lot of people investigated but there have been what like some relatively no-name guys that have been suspended for like 10 games a piece basically um so I, I think they need to crack down on it more and actually once one of the big guys falls by having this crack down on them then i think this will gain a little more traction agreed and since the announcement, Irfan, four minor leaguers were suspended for, I think it was 10 games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think this is going to be a warning to the MLB pitchers? Like, hey, if we catch you, you're going to be suspended for 10 games? Or do you think they even care at this point? Well, no. I think what this does is just scares everyone in the minor leagues coming up. So I guess the next generation of pitchers understands that you can't do this. But the thing is, if you're not, like Kyle said, if you're not looking at the big boys, Garrett Cole, Trevor Bauer, for example, um, if you're not going to suspend them, then I don't think anyone else really cares because that's the major leagues is different than the minor leagues. Um, I think this this sort of reminds me a little bit about the Astros and the cheese scandal, where it's just a slap on the wrist and like, okay, done. You know, you cheated. Great. Good job. You know, you still have your championship at the end of the day. Right. And now you just look at it and go, well, they're just gonna they're just gonna talk about it. They might suspend you, and they might tell you what Joe West did the other night with um, Cardinals reliever, right? And he's just like, you know, take it off or whatever, and didn't really do anything about it. And you're like, ah, oh, okay. Great. By the way, can we talk about that? That was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. Because if you actually watched that game, the pitcher never once touched his hat there. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Never once. I, I get that it looked like there was something on their hat. And there might have been. It might have been sunscreen. It could have been anything. I'm not going to say what it was, right? Because we don't know. He yeah. never once touched his hat. And this is a rookie coming into the game, Gallegos. Like, why is Joe West cracking down on him, of all people? Like, had he been touching the yeah. hat consistently? I get it. Like, it, 100% do that. But if he doesn't touch the hat once, in the entire time he's out on the mound or in the entire warm-up session, Mm-hmm. Why are you trying to get him, Kyle? I just don't get that. That doesn't make any sense to me. No, like it, it doesn't make sense. And, and 
to be honest, that's the MLB. Like they they don't know how to properly deal with things. That's they don't the know how to properly problem. deal with anything. By the sounds of right? it, right? Because like because like and, and as Irfan said it perfectly, it was the Astros scandal. The MLB had an opportunity to set a precedent and basically fine the crap out of them, suspend a bunch of people, you know, and and actually have like legitimate stuff. Like they suspended the manager. They didn't suspend any players. Right, like no players got anything. The, the the Astros lost a first round pick, but honestly, who cares? They have the money to spend internationally, anyways, and they got fined like a tiny amount for for an organization. It's yeah. just one of those, and, and it's the same with here. Is you know, I I, I follow this one person. I I can't remember if it's on TikTok or Instagram, but it, he literally posts videos, and like there was a video that came out the other day of Trevor Bauer with literally a can of stuff before the game and he's going like this, getting it out of the can and putting it on his hat. And it's like, how is the MLB not looking at these videos? How does the MLB not have, have these videos? Like Kyle, the MLB think about, how, think about how many videos. games you and me have watched together over the years. Yeah. And each of us have pointed out at least one pitcher in all of those oh, games sure. that have been like constantly touching the same spot on their glove. Right? Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. Garrett Cole literally goes like this every time after every strikeout, just goes like this. And it's like after every like, other pitch, basically. But it's one of those like, okay, like I get it. Maybe that's a routine, but at the same point, not the same spot. Like, sorry. Like, I get pit- pitchers are weird. Trust me. Pitchers are weird. That's yeah. just who they are. But until the MLB cracks down on one of these big guys and truly gives them, you know, it and to me, 10 games is like, I get it. It's two, two, two starts. starts for a pitcher. I get that. But at the same point, you're basically saying, "Hey, yeah, yeah, you can go away for two starts, come back, and we won't look at you again." Yeah, like that, like that's the thing. Like unless they start cracking down on these people and call it like basically like the NHL, where it's a repeat offender, where so it's every 10 single and then start, twenty-five and then fifty. Well, exactly, and like that, like kind of like what they do with the PEDs, right? Where it goes 80, 80 games, and then it's one hundred and sixty games, and then it's banned for life. Type of thing, right? Yeah, and. To me, I think I think you need to do something like that with the pitchers where it's, okay, so they're suspended for 10 games, but every start that they start after that, immediately before the game, you're checking. Yeah. It's got to be something along those lines where it's, you're a repeat offender, you get checked before every game. So that before you every game. Yeah, like whatever it means. Because be, you, right? no, you can't do it just before the game because then they go in after the first inning and just apply whatever they need to apply, oh, right? You got to check sure. every inning. Sure, and it's one of those, like – is it something added to the game that's going to slow down baseball? Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> You're also going to get rid of cheaters and it's going to make the game a lot better because now hitters are going to start be start going back to hitting bombs and it's going to be more fun to watch baseball. And it's like, like as a better, I'm totally okay with this because I'm just taking pitcher strikeouts every goddamn night. It's it's easy. Like, but as a as as a baseball fan, it's one of those like, no, I would rather see a home run than a strikeout. Like, yeah. sorry. And you know what's crazy? That. Like since so the mlb uses well i mean baseball uses this unit called the bauer unit to this to to determine spin rate basically for pitchers in comparison to miles per hour and it's rotations per minute uh per minute over Mm -hmm. miles per hour that's a bauer unit in the week after the mlb suspended those players or an uh, mlb crackdown announcement so not this past thursday but the thursday before up to this past thursday Two, 327 pitchers threw at least 24 seam fastballs. 207 of them, so 
had a reduction in their Bauer unit ratio. And 112 of them dropped by half a point on the Bauer unit and 45 dropped by at least one full Bauer unit. That's ridiculous. 63% saw a reduction and 45 pitchers dropped an entire Bauer unit in just the week after the crackdown announcement. So the now the question becomes, what happens next? Like, what else is going to come from this? Irfan, I, I don't know what, what else they can do other than suspend players. And it doesn't look like they're going to do that just yet at the major league level. You know what scares me is that baseball is already becoming one of those sports that people don't want to watch to begin with. Um, what happens when people actually just stop watching? Like avid fans go, this is actually ruining the game. Maybe not betters, but like avid fans or like ticket holders are just okay. Like this isn't fun anymore. Like you, you're spending so much time worrying about time, but you're not playing the game right. So like, I don't want my kids watching this sort of game. I don't want to see my kids understand that, oh, you can get away with it, whatever you want once you're an adult and are a professional player. No, like you want rules. You want stuff to, to be followed through. So I do hope the MLB does, but in a sport that's sort of dying, unfortunately, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like they need to be worried about that and trying to get the, the viewership up, whether that means, you know, cracking down on things or understanding that there's a set of rules to follow. And going back to the PED dis- Question. You shouldn't get 80 games. You cheated. You used a, a substance to help yourself get better illegally. You're done. That's the question. You're done. You're the Astros and you cheat. Sorry, you're done. Like, I think unless they start inf- uh, implementing hard nosed decisions, it's not going to change the game. And, and that's the sad reality of it. And the, the even sadder reality is you don't need to do that in order to get your spin rate up. And the perfect example of that is Jacob DeGrom. Jacob DeGrom is the exact player that the MLP needs to be the poster boy of non-sticky stuff. Because this guy has increased his velocity every single year over the past three years, which then increases his spin rate, which means his Bauer unit goes up. And he's just gotten better and better and better. Like, it's insane to watch him pitch. And you never see him reach into his glove or reach onto his hat for anything so kyle what what does the mlb need to do to get pitchers to act more like Degrom and just try to increase their velocity as opposed to reach for the reach for the sicky stuff in the bag okay good kid sorry sorry no but on it honestly it's it comes down to different aspects of, of truly trying to improve velocity in different aspects right so you look at like a while ago steve delabar used the big weighted ball and added three, four miles an hour onto his, his pitch, right? You know, he was down low 90s, and all of a sudden he was throwing 96 because he uses weighted ball. So it's like there's other ways around it. And, you know, it, it's not to try and take away from anything that pitchers that aren't using this stuff, but it's one of those, you know, you have to find different ways of getting better. And, simple, and if you can't cut it, then sorry. Like, you, it, you shouldn't have to add – you know, a, a foreign substance to try and pitch in the MLB. Like I get, that's what you want to do, but if that's what it comes down to, like the, and, and Irfan nail is the MLB has just got to like, just got to crack down and basically not take no for an answer is, is essentially what it is. They have to, you know, suspend them, fine them, whatever it may be, make it so that it's not worth it for them to use it. The next question, though, and this is one that I'm now, if you're on the hitter side, mm-hmm. we've seen 
an increase already this season in players hit by pitches. Yep. It's slight, but there's been an increase. If we're taking away their ability to grip the ball with the sticky stuff completely, are we going to see an even bigger increase in that, Kyle? Like, would you be scared? Because these guys are still going to be throwing fast. Like, that's not going to go away necessarily. It's just the spin rate and ability to grip the ball and actually control it might go away. That might be something that the hitters are like, okay, maybe we need to just like slowly dial it back until these guys figure out how to control the ball on their own. I mean, yes and no. I think I think the other counterpoint to that is the pitchers won't have as much control, so there might be more fastballs over the middle of the plate. So fair, you know. So it's one of those. I think MLB hitters are just like, hey, we want level playing rooms. So if you take away this foreign substance, I don't give a crap if I get hit by a ninety-four mile an hour fastball. If I can then two bat two at bats later get a uh, ninety-four mile an hour fastball dead center down the middle of the plate because he doesn't know where to throw it. And hit a bomb, right? So I think they'll they'll take the hit by pitches if that increases to increase the you know home run potential or even just getting on base because like as I was saying, the MLB is on on track for the lowest batting average in MLB history. So it's which is saying something, right? Nice. Obviously, there's some there's something up, and you know it goes back to taking out the juice ball already. They took the juice ball out. So the home runs less. And now all of a sudden there's extra substance. Now the pitchers have the advantage compared to the hitters who had the advantage in previous years. Yeah, right. So enough. it's, it's just get a level play level playing field. That's the biggest thing. Marathon. Did you want to add anything before we move on? Or? No, I was just going to say the same thing about the juice balls, but I think Kyle got it. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's head on over to the NHL boys and uh, the semifinals are set. We now know who the final four teams are. And I mean, I think this goes without saying, but are any teams truly a surprise after watching them play so far, Irfan? Yes. The Habs should not be in the final four. Wait, hold on, hold on. What the hell? Listen listen to to the question, though. Oh, no, I heard your question. Are they truly a surprise at this point? Yes, I still think they are. I still think they are. I don't think they... I don't think they've been the the best team out of the North Division. I I think the Leafs kind of fell flat and that's their only reason why Montreal is even okay I was being nice okay (laughs) hey hey, I I was in the hospital and I didn't even watch the game so let's put it that way Kyle you didn't even need to watch the game Kyle let's be honest you saw game seven you knew exactly what was going to happen I watched the first period it was like no I'd rather go to bed I'm good so but no Irfan you're you're, you're right honestly the Habs the Habs are to me still a surprise team and I think it's more because I don't know if the Habs won the series against the Jets or the Jets just didn't show up because the whole, to me, the Shifley thing threw them off. Mm-hmm. The Habs won run. game one. Yes. yes. Deservedly won game one, yes. Um, I would say I would say Price stole in game two, probably, is what I would say. Yeah. But other than that, Hellebuck, Hellebuck played okay, maybe? Mm-hmm. Shit. Hellebuck Honestly, was awful. Crap. <laughs> like, like, it's one of those, like, like you, you know, Leafs fans are Hellbuck wasn't awful. Hellbuck was fine, but the team in front of but, him was awful. Well, he wasn't problem. able to steal the game. That's the problem. And that's the thing. That's the difference. Yeah, help when your team gets outshot every game by Montreal. No, but even then, but Price stole Winnipeg a game, maybe two. Hellbuck never had a chance to steal a game for Winnipeg, and and yes, I, I get Winnipeg didn't play great in front of him, but 
there's some games Montreal didn't play great, but Price stole it for him by playing so well. I, I, I get what you're saying. I'm just saying I yeah. you can't blame this on Hellebuck because he never no, really no, no. had a chance and, to steal a game because the team in front of him was never really in the game, in my opinion. I think game no, two was the only game that they were sort of in, and Price stole that one for Montreal. Mm-hmm. Game and, three and, I, and four, yeah. Montreal was the better team. I, I think I think the biggest thing is is Winnipeg needed Hellebuck to steal a game. Yes. And the Jets needed him to steal a game and switch momentum around, and it never happened. And I'm not, I'm not blaming Hellebuck for the series. The Jets played like shit. That's as simple as that. Yeah. Right? It, it, and it's and that's what it comes down to is I don't know if the Habs won the series or if the Jets lost it, which – and I'm not trying to take away anything from the sweep, right? You know, Montreal did their thing. They scored their goals. Then they, they, they moved on. No problem. But the Jets did not look like a playoff team in general, no. let alone mm-hmm. – no a team that swept the Oilers in the first round. Exactly. It didn't look like that team that, you know, bullied the Oilers. They kind of just were like, well, we lost Shifley. I don't know what we can do. And it's like, well, you have a fantastic group of forwards. You should be able to do something more with that. And they didn't give any support. Their centers didn't really Exactly. He didn't. Um, Stastny took dumb penalties when he got back. Uh, I mean, Pionk was the only one trying to do anything for half of the series. And even he wasn't great. Well, and I, love, I love Shevel Dayoff's comments after, by the way. Oh, we need to work on our defense a little bit. I'm sorry, your defense was the only reason you were in a couple of those games. Like, yeah. your offense looked awful. Well, as I said, looking back at that line A Dubois trade, now it looks terrible for both teams. Like, we were hoping it was going to be a Johansson for Jones thing, where it's like, oh, it benefits both teams, right? Obviously, yeah. looking back at it now, obviously, Jones, they, Columbus got the better end of it. But looking at that line A Dubois trade, both teams lost. Like both teams lost that trade. Neither one of those players did anything. Dubois looked good in the regular season and then disappeared in the playoffs, probably because he wasn't playing the Leafs. That's probably the reason why. But, um, but that means everyone disappears in the playoffs when they don't play the Leafs in the North Division, but uh, except for Suzuki. Yeah. But I mean, so we're saying Montreal is the underdog and that kind of stuff. But the biggest thing is I love, I love their chances against Vegas too. Like, like if they were up against, sure. If they were up against Colorado, I think Colorado's speed would have killed Montreal. Mm-hmm. Right? But Vegas is kind of that combo where they Vegas took away Colorado's speed, but they also have the size to compete with Montreal and go back and forth with that. To me, flurry against Price, it's gonna be it's gonna be a awesome. great matchup. Beautiful series. It's yeah. gonna be a great matchup. And honestly, as much as I'm a Leafs fan, like I want to see how far this Habs team goes, to be honest. And, and it's, you know, it's going to hurt me like no tomorrow, but I kind of want to see how far they go. Yeah. I had Vegas, you know, when we did the uh, predictions, I had Vegas winning. So, I mean, but I also had them facing the Leafs. So that was a whole different story, but <laughs> it's a whole nother yeah. issue. It's yeah. Well, let's get but, in, Let's get into the semifinal yeah. matches. Cause we, I want to talk about both of them. Let's start with yeah. the Tampa, New York one, because Hey, that's what I have first up. Um, is this this is the battle of the powerhouse team versus the system 2.0. Oh, and you love to see it because this is a repeat of last year's conference final in the East. And we saw that was a fun series. I know it wasn't it went exactly how everyone thought Tampa ended up winning, but it was still fun to watch. This is a different Islanders team. They are scoring goals at a rate that they've never scored goals at since what the 80s when they won four in a row. Like this, this is a scoring team. All of a sudden, Varlamov has looked pretty good. Yeah, I wouldn't say he's looked fantastic, but he hasn't had to because of the system that they play. Irfan, are, 
is the Islanders team this year better prepared to play this Tampa team? Oh, of course they are. I mean, you look at, like you said, the biggest thing, they found a way to score goals. And not just like, hey, our best players are going to beat your best players. No, scrappy goals. Goals that you want good bounces off of. And I go back to the Boston series in game three. Boston's up one nothing, and they get that lucky bounce. Um, the Isles do off the boards. You get Clifton and Lazar going out of position. And who's there? Matt Barzell's there to tuck it away, right? And that's the sort of thing that the Isles didn't get last year in the playoffs um, was those bounces. But like smart bounces, they're putting pucks in the right location and they're getting the bounce that they need, which is something that you need in the playoffs. And, and I think that's great. And going over to Varlamov, which you just said, he hasn't been, you know, lights out, but he's also kept them in games. He's also been able to save. Like we, we talk about what Hellebuck couldn't do for the Jets, but Varlamov's done it. He's made big saves when the aisles look like they couldn't get out of their own zone. When you're going to play a Tampa Bay team, you need that. Because I think the 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 bolts are going to come in waves, um, you know. Aside from Boston having one or two lines that are going to come at you, now you're going to have four lines that are going to come at you, and that's the difference that they'll have to face. So I think yes, this Isles team is better prepared this year, um, and and you know what? If they pull out a surprise, I would say it's not a surprise because I think this Isles team is built to win. Yeah, Kyle. No, I hundred percent agree. I, I think the biggest thing is the Islanders are the team you don't want to play. That's the biggest key, right? They play with house game. money. Both both them and the Canadians are playing with house money at this point. Oh, 100%, right? Islanders Islanders were the team that, you know, you're like, ha, huh, who's going to score for them, right? That was my biggest question was who's going to score? Who's Turns out play, everybody. Right? And and we weren't worried about the goaltending. Their defense were always good. Their goaltending was always good. But who the hell was going to score? And it's, as you said, literally everybody. Like anybody, you, you put a name on the list, he's probably scored. Um, Except Calmer. He's yeah. on the first line, man. Give us love. How Give is that possible, love. by the way? <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Leo. Uncle Leo. Um, Playoff Leo. Yeah. But honestly, it's, it's one of those, like, to me, if I'm any team in the playoffs, the Islanders are the last team I want to play right now because they are hot, they are scoring, and they keep the puck out of their net. That's the biggest thing, right? So I think Tampa – and Tampa kind of ran into a – New York Islanders light team in Carolina, but Carolina didn't know who their goaltender was going to be. So that's well, they should have, but that's a whole other issue. Yeah, that's a whole other issue. But to me, I think this is going to be a great series. I could see this easily going six, seven games, and each team going back and forth. You know, um, I ultimately, I do think Tampa takes it just because of Tampa's depth. You know, their third line of um, Goudreau, uh, Coleman, and Gord is arguably the best third line in the NHL, right? And, and it's one of those, like, like any, any of those players could argue you could bump them to the second line and you would have no problem with that. So, um, to, to me, that that Tampa team is just so deep, but it's going to come down to Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky didn't look great in the first round, and, you know, he definitely bounced back against Carolina, but, I don't know, the Islanders team, they're, they're a pesky team, and they're they're one of those teams where it's like, I wouldn't want to go into the Islanders barn right now and try and play a game because those fans. That place are is nuts. rocking. Those literally shaking. Yes. Quite literally. It might fall down. It you know, might fall. Sure. It might collapse. But, if they win the cup on oh home ice, that building will collapse. New York will fall. The building will collapse. It's not even yeah. close. But yeah. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see how this goes. I don't, 
I, 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 I still think Tampa takes it, but this could be a lot closer series than people yeah, think. For sure. Um, let's move on to the other one, and it's Montreal-Vegas. And I think really the question is, can Carey Price continue this Canadian's run? As good as the team in front of him has been, he is going to need to take another step in the right direction here for this team to have a chance against Vegas because Vegas is just that much better than I think yeah. the teams that they have played so far. Not that the Leafs weren't a good team, but the Leafs weren't the Leafs in the playoffs. No offense. They just weren't. No, the Leafs were the Leafs in the playoffs. That's the thing. <laughs> Sorry. They weren't the, the, they weren't the Leafs, Leafs in the regular season. In the playoffs. Yeah. They weren't the Leafs in the regular season. Yeah. yeah. So can can the Montreal Canadiens continue their run? Can Carey Price steal some games here, uh, Kyle? Yeah. I, I think he can, to be honest. And it's one of those, I think, out of any team that Montreal could have matched up with, I think Vegas was probably their best option. And it's kind of, as I said before, where it's Montreal and Vegas can match size. So this, for, for Montreal, they can match Vegas's size and their strength. Vegas isn't known for their speed. That's the biggest thing. And that's what killed Montreal in the regular season, right? Vegas does have speed, don't get me wrong but they're not known as a speed team. They're more of a structured, big, physical, get in on the forecheck, steal the puck type of team, right? And I think that's where, where Montreal can kind of hold up a, li- a little bit at least and then rely on Carey Price to steal them a couple games. You know, this, this I, I I think this series is going six, to be honest. And and I think, I think Vegas does ultimately pull it out, but I'm saying I uh, don't count out Montreal quite yet. Just... You know, they're, they're the underdog. They're the grease, as we were talking about before. They're the grease of the NHL playoffs right now, where it's, you know, they're on a roll. They haven't trailed in a game for what? Seven. Seven straight games. Yeah. So so it's like, it's just nuts the role they're on right now. And until Carey Bryce gets beaten, I, I can't really go against him. Like, I'm going to. But, like, it's Carey Price. Like, that's it's – I was saying it before, like, in the Leafs series, it's one of those, you know, are we going to get that price? Yes, we got that price. We, we got, got, we got price. that price. Like we got that, we got Vesna price for the playoffs. That's the biggest thing. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I do have Vegas probably winning in six or seven, but I think it's going to be a lot closer series than people think. Yeah, Airphone. I'm trying to think. Like this, this is probably not the best Montreal team we've seen in the last six years. Like this is probably. Oh. A developing, trying to figure out who they are, sort of team. I mean, Caulfield's playing well. Suzuki's playing well. I think adding Tyler to Foley to this team has really brought in some sort of. I, I've said this all podcast, but identity, and I think that's the biggest thing is if you can figure out what your roles are and what your team is. There you go. Like, and I think having guys like Corey Perry and Tyler to Foley and Shea Weber and uh, I think Ben Sherrod, um, they they kind of just found a way to get this team going the way they want to go. But that being said, I think Vegas is a better squad. I think pound for pound, I think they have four lines that can shut you down and they can play two different types of hockey. They can play a fast game and then play the way they played against the abs, or they can play a heavy game, which to me, if this, this Vegas team reminds me of the 2012, 2014 LA Kings where they were fast, they were heavy, but they could play either style and, and you, and they, they bring it to you. I mean, you look at that Chicago series where the, the Hawks at that time are East West and LA's like, all right, we'll play you East West. And they were able to beat them. So um, I think Vegas wins this series. I think it'd be interesting to see how Max Pacioretty comes back to, to Montreal. Is he able to, to produce 
back where he he started his career. Mark Stone, who's had a good record against the Habs in his career as a sense player. Does he get to do that? Does Carey Price get psyched out? That's Those are big questions, but I think that goaltending matchup between Fleury and Price is just going to be fun. Um, yeah. Two goaltenders who have been the two of the best goaltenders. I mean, they've been fun to watch. I mean, aside from Fleury making a few gaffes at the puck and trying to catch a puck instead of blockering it out on the Brendan Sod goal, which just blows my mind. Yep. Um, but I think, you know, playoff Price, and that's what the the Habs are always banking on. Let's get to the playoffs, and we're, we're going to get... Um, playoff price um and you know i asked the two of you this question a couple weeks ago before the playoffs started was can montreal do what they did to the pittsburgh penguins and the answer is yes they can they can upset a big squad and they're in the third freaking round of the playoffs yeah i know they're in the third freaking round of the playoffs they did it twice they beat they beat winnipeg in four straight games and uh, and came back down three one to the leafs and came back and won won three straight So so i know i shouldn't be you know Ignoring the fact that they could actually potentially win this series, but I mean, if you look at that Vegas Colorado series, that was probably the best hockey I've seen in quite some time. Um, I, I think Vegas is going to the finals after this. Yeah, I think the one thing you, that Vegas needs to watch out for is one goal games in this series, and the reason is that in the playoffs so far, Vegas is two and two in one goal games. They lost both of their one goal games against Mini. Or sorry, they won two one-goal games against Colorado, lost one, and then lost one one-goal game against Mini. Montreal is five and one in one-goal games in this playoff run. That stat is astounding to me. That includes overtime or regulation wins. Five and one. If Montreal is in a one-goal game, I would put big money on them. Every single time. That's how good Carey Price is in one goal games so far this playoff run. So if Vegas can't start putting up goals early and try to open up the game, Montreal has real chance to push this Vegas team deep into this in this series. And I'm with Kyle. I think this goes six games at least. This is going to be a lot of fun. But I think the real question is, is the Vegas-Tampa series inevitable at this point? Is this what work? Is this... What is going to happen, Irfan? Well, considering I predicted Tampa to win from the start of the season, I think I still have to run with that. So <laughs> I'm going to stick to it. I think that's, that's as, long valid, as, yeah. as long as they're alive, you know, I, I think it's I think a Tampa Vegas series is going to be fun. And I, I, I do want to see it. I think it's two juggernauts going against each other. But again, you know, don't be surprised if the Isles win because system hockey in a short span of games actually makes sense you know you can't just go run and gun you have to be able to play a system you have to be able to play some sort of style and i think the isles have that and in terms of montreal they are the weakest out of the four unfortunately um and you mentioned the one goal thing they also played a semi you know mediocre leafs team and a mediocre jets team whereas the vegas golden knights played minnesota who had a fantastic year and continued that in the playoffs and the abs who were the best team in all of the NHL during the season. So I think that's the comparison. And I get you're saying the numbers and the stats because you're my stat guy um, kind of come through. But I mean, I don't think Montreal's played a lion yet. They haven't played a champion yet, like a, a built team to win a championship. So, I mean, I take that with a grain of salt. I, you know, you guys are saying six. I think this goes to five. I think, I think Vegas, if, if they're not as beat up as 
than they were in that half series, Ryan Reeves is going to eat someone for dinner. Fair enough. Uh, Kyle, quickly, Vegas, Tampa, inevitable series? I think that's the ideal series. I think that's going to be the most entertaining one. Um, I could 100% see Islanders, Vegas as well. I don't see Montreal coming out. Um, if they do, you know, all the power to them. But I definitely think it's Vegas versus Tampa or the Islanders. Yeah. So. Same here. Same here. Well, boys, it's time to wrap it up. I know Kyle's got things to do. Yep. Got to go get a dog. So <laughs> final what thoughts for the getting? week. Kyle, we'll start with you, my friend. Uh, final thoughts. Honestly, um, kind of hate it, but sports are winding down. Um, obviously, Euro is picking up, but basketball only has a couple series left. Hockey only has a couple series left. So not as much action-packed sports. Um, so kind of disappointing on that end, but also very interesting conclusion to the series, uh, the season. So, you know, uh, kind of interested to see where the NBA goes. Obviously, I, TJ has been a, a Nuggets fan recently, so they're not doing too hot against the Suns right now. But Tell him to um, stop cheering for teams that he wants to win. They do better when he doesn't cheer for them. So, right, Teach? Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But um, I'm, I'm excited for championship. Uh, you know, we're in the semi, we're in the semifinals now, I guess we can call it in hockey. So um, kind of see, interested to see who comes out. Irfan? Um, sports are winding down. Like Kyle said, I think, you know, the playoffs are have been really interesting. I mean, teams that are going to surprise you are playing well and teams that are injury riddled, they're playing well. Like don't, like you mentioned the Nuggets there. Unfortunately, they're playing a better Suns team, which is okay to lose to because I think the Suns have been the best NBA team in the last year, uh, including last year's bubble. So, you know what? That's not a bad thing, but um, the NBA playoffs have also been really fun. That The end of that Mavs Cav, uh, Clippers series, sorry, that was great. That was a great um, game seven. So um, I hope we're treated to more of those sort of close matchups. I mean, the Bucks and the Nets has been interesting. Game three, um, when the Bucks won by three, like that was a great game. So um, I hope it continues. Yeah. Agreed. It's just going to be fun. And we, with the Euros, we had another championship as well. Um, my final Olympics thought... too. Sorry, Olympics are coming up as well. And, yeah, I'm worried about the Olympics, but that's a whole other issue. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss that at a later point. Um, yep. My final thought for this week is uh, media, get your head screwed on straight. I don't know if you guys listened to the Nate McKinnon uh, post-game McKinnon. press conference. What kind of media member asks a question regarding, oh, well, uh, you guys have done a lot of thinking, a lot of game planning. It looks like you're thinking too much out there. Do you think you just go out and, you know, like not think and win the game? What? What do kind of question that, is that? Do we know who the reporter was? <laughs> I'm sure it's been announced. I'm, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus necessarily. No, like, I don't know way, who it was. That's that what is, I was asking. You him. have to get your head screwed on straight. This guy just lost a game that knocked him out of the playoffs. What do you think he's going to say? And you know locker clean out full, full credit to Nate McKinnon. He did everything right. He just said no next. Didn't want to get involved. Didn't want to give this guy a second question. He just moved on. And that's hard to do when his emotions were probably running sky high after being knocked out of the playoffs again. But man, like, come on guys. Like it's the end of a series. What do you think the guy's going to say at that point? Oh, yeah, if we just don't think we're going to win a game. No, no one's ever going to say that. So get get your head screwed on straight. Let's get it going. That's a tire fire more than a final thought, but I'm going with it for my final thought this week. Um, 
that'll do it, boys. Another great show. Thank you for Paige for joining us to preview the Euros. It was a very long show. I apologize to anyone who's been uh, listening this whole time. TJ, I apologize. I know you want to get your dog. You can go get it now. Um, We will be back next week with another episode of Garage Door Sports. But until then, thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.